Thanks for staying with us in our guest segment. This is Dave Hodges. You're listening to The Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And we got a couple of guys that keep the lights on for us here. And with the food shortages already happening now, rice showing up all across the world. Yeah, all across the world, folks, there's a deficit of rice. It's beginning to unfold. The supply chain is gone. As Bob Griswold said recently, we're eating yesterday's harvest. Bob is right on the money with what he's saying. And I have to say that if you're not storing food, you're going to be storing misery in the future. We offer the best, MPS, restaurant quality, no glyphosates, no GMOs, 25-year shelf life. And they're offering a great special right now, $100 off the four-week. And you can buy multiple four-weeks. And this is what a lot of people are doing. Go to preparewithdave.com. Now, conversely, if you have food, our second sponsor is about water, the AquaPure Pro Water Filter. And it basically can purify about anything. And you want to know how good it is? Go to waterwithdave.com, look up the research, and you'll see it kicks the heck out of the competitors. And they're offering their product for 40% off, where you can get standing water, which you won't have trouble finding. You'll have trouble finding standing drinkable water, but you can get standing water and turn it into drinkable water. So you got the food, preparewithdave.com. You got the water with a 40% discount. Waterwithdave.com. Don't forget the $100 discount on the four-week packages, and people are buying multiple sets. And I have to tell you, the food is flying off the shelf. So the water filter sells. So act now. Now, we have a really interesting show for you here in this segment. We have a law enforcement agent, and uh, we call him Wrecker, and he's been a frequent guest in the past, and um, his uh, shows draw a lot of interest across a wide variety of domains, and uh, the numbers are usually very, very good. And I don't think tonight's going to be any different, but we're actually going to do a two-part series. We're going to do one part where we're talking about what-ifs. From his experience and my research that I've done, we're going to compare notes on what happens when the Democrats actually win. What will society be like? And you got to remember, you're listening to someone who's on the ground, who's at the riots, who knows what's happening, understands the agendas, receives briefings, and he's formed opinions outside his professional domain about what's coming. And we were having a discussion before we came on air, and a lot of what he was telling me was, guess what, boys and girls? Predictive programming is real. And yeah, I locked under that idea about four years ago. So we're going to welcome Wrecker to the Common Sense Show. And uh, this is going to be an interesting discussion. Wrecker, as it sits right now, you've got Esper, who is disarming the National Guard as we speak. And disarming other military, from what I understand, in Washington, D.C. The Pentagon is in on it with him. You've got Mattis and former Marine Corps General uh, John Allen telling the troops do not obey Trump. Uh, Has Trump been overthrown? Let's start there. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, you know, as as a prior Marine, a very proud infantryman, I, I sit back and I served under Mattis at one point, and we in the Marine Corps really looked up to Mattis as like, we, you know, we called him the godfather. We really thought the world of Mattis because he 
he was a true warrior poet at one point. He really spoke from the heart, and he was a killer, and which was everything that you know the Marine Corps entails. And uh, the guy was ballsy. He was gutsy. He was everything that we needed a, a general to be in terms of leadership. And when we saw him become the uh, you know, Secretary of Defense, SecDef, uh, under Trump, we just started going, the, the stars are lining up for America. I mean, you have Mad Dog Mattis as SecDef. The world is trembling in fear. And if anything, the complete freaking opposite happened. Uh, you know, Mattis started going against Trump a lot, not just, you know, through the White House meetings or speaking with Pentagon officials, but verbally outside of that. And it was strange to see him do this. And, you know, when, when Trump said it was an honor to fire General Mattis, a lot of us were confused. We're like, this is, this is Jim Mad Dog Mattis. What happened? What was so egregious? And look at it now. We see it now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't understand this man's uh, train of thought, but to tell the military to disobey the orders of the commander in chief—that's treason. It is like it, you know, like it or not. I'm a prior marine. I loved Mattis to death. I've met Mattis. I thought the world of him. And to see what's going on now is really disheartening. And I, I feel that it is—it's treason. It's, it's traitorous. I don't—I don't know what this man is thinking. You know, as a prior general, you have to be very careful what you say, and you still carry a lot of weight, even when once retired, even a man like Mattis. So he needs to be very careful if he still wants that pretty pension of what he's talking about before they bring him back to service and they dethrone his uh, his honorable ass because this is ridiculous what he's saying. And any military service member out there speaking right now, I've done three deployments to Iraq, all right? I, I understand the war. I understand the stuff that we did. I understand everything that we're, that we're experiencing right now. But what Mattis is doing and what any other former military service member, especially in the, the high-ranking staff, the field-grade staff, what they're doing is wrong. They need to stop. They need to muzzle themselves before they really start something that they're going to regret. And, you know, especially Mattis, I just don't know where this guy is going. But, you know, the, the tables are turning against President Trump. And this is truly signs of the times, what's going on right now. Uh, you know, Esper, I've never liked Esper. I, I, I could care less about the guy. I personally think only someone who is in the military should run DOD, but, you know, what do I know, right? Uh, so I see a lot of people that are turning against Trump. Trump, to me, in my heart of hearts, I believe he was really for this country. Of course he isn't going to do everything that we'd like. Of course he isn't going to be the shining star, the, the white knight we all wanted, but damn it, he did more than most presidents have. He stood up for Jesus more times than I've counted. The last guy uh, who stood up for Muhammad more than he ever did anything. And, you know, we should really be thankful that Trump was the president that was elected by the people, by the silent majority. Uh, and he was God's president at this point in time. You know, uh, I still believe in the Bible where God, you know, he's the one who anoints the kings and puts them into positions of power. 
Trump was put in power for a reason. You know, Trump has literally showed the world who is the enemy of freedom, who's the enemy of the United States, who's the enemy of our Constitution within our United States. And we need to rally behind him while we still have a chance. He's not been great uh, at every turn. You know, he, he hasn't done every single thing we wanted. I still cannot believe Hillary Clinton is walking around free and not behind bars. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of them out there. However, he's doing very well for what I want out of a commander-in-chief. He's getting things passed that are very good for the economy, that are very fair for all races and for all religions and for all sexes. And if you believe at any point in time that Donald Trump is the reason why we're having these riots, you're an idiot. Stop believing identity politics and wake up. Pray about it if you think I'm wrong. Uh, but I think we really need to rally behind our commander-in-chief while we have the chance to still defend the Constitution. Because if the Democrats actually find a way to beat Donald Trump, and I don't think there's a snowball chance in hell that Joe Biden can do it. For God's sakes, he forgets to put his own teeth in while he's speaking. I don't, I don't think we're ever going to recover from it. If the Democrats can actually get into the presidency, they are going to take down this country brick by brick, right by right, and the Constitution will be null and void. If not, I can see the Constitution being ripped up just like his last speech was by Nancy Pelosi. Now that's I, I feel it so strongly. They're so dangerous. You know, Any Democrat out there, and I, I'm, I am painting with a broad brush right now. Because if you support what the Democrats support, let me let me go ahead and say this real quick. I know we're going to talk about riots on the next segment. My wife and I had this conversation. When in the hell did the world grow a conscience? Because of George Floyd's death, we all of a sudden care about quote-unquote police brutality. The whole world wanted to set America on fire before even the preliminary investigations came out. Are we so hesitant to destroy the mere faculties of this country because of one man's death? Tragic as it may, I disagree with it. It was wrong. It was piss poor judgment and negligence when you catch somebody, they're your baby until you drop them off at the jail. However, that being said, was it worth trying to destroy this country over? No. No, it wasn't. And to burst your bubble, look up George Floyd. He was not... And I repeat, he was not the greatest of civilians. You know, besides no, the fact that... But he did not deserve you know, to die the way he did. No, yeah, and, and besides the fact of his rap sheet, no one deserves any type of treatment like that from a cop, from a law enforcement officer, from a security guard, or from another civilian. But considering the fact that we're still killing children left and right, and the Democrats support, wholeheartedly support... The murder of infants? Really, Democrats. When did you grow a conscience? Do you really care that George Floyd died? Or do you really care that you finally got the chance to set the next stage of your coup against this country in motion? Which is what's really happening. Look, I've been working the streets here since last Friday. All right? And 
I've been working the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's It's been a ruckus. There's, there's been a lot of things going on, a lot of stupidity in the streets. And I'm telling you right now, what's happening is not worth one man's death because the amount of deaths and injuries that has happened since this, not only is it senseless, but it is doing nothing more than to cause an even greater division, which if you people will stop and pull your head out of the sand for one second and realize you're playing right into the mission of the deep state, which is to destroy the country. You know, we're already seeing where George Soros is paying a lot of people to go out and protest. You can just get on Instagram and you can watch the videos. Instagram is, start, is starting to turn out to be some of the greatest intelligence gathering apparatus I have ever seen. And I'm sitting here reading email after email from the Fusion Center, and I'm verifying it through Instagram or through Facebook or through Twitter or through uh, YouTube. I mean, my God, people. Do you really think Target deserved every bit of vandalism? No. You know, I, it, here's the thing about it, Dave. You know, if we start talking about this what-if scenario. What if the riots continue? What if the other three cops get let off the hook? Oh, are my. you gonna keep? No. Are you gonna keep? Are you gonna keep rioting? The man, George Floyd, had methamphetamine. Oh, and by the way, fentanyl in his blood system. If you don't know what fentanyl is, it kills you. It will eventually kill you. And I mean, it destroys your insides. So, you know, what are we idolizing here? Well, here's, Think about I don't know that we're idolizing the man. You know, <clears throat> I, I look at this and I say, okay, one, he deserved to be arrested. Okay, fine. But he did not deserve to be killed. And chokeholds, in my book, have no place in law enforcement. They, they don't. And, and I go back to Eric Garner, and I know he had a rap sheet too, but he died from a chokehold. And he died for a minor offense. And I see the same thing here, Wrecker. I see that this guy, you know, he's not killing people. He's not running his vehicle into police officers. He's not a danger to other people's lives. And yet he was murdered, I think, by this cop. And, and, and you know, and I have sympathy for the one woman cop who is on the job for a week because she was interning under the main perpetrator who killed Floyd. I understand why she'd be intimidated not to speak up, and she's going to jail over it. And I, and, and I actually feel kind of sorry for her. Uh, but the thing is, is, Wrecker, I know you. If you had been one of those three cops, you'd have made the man stop. Immediately. I know. And, you and just said he's said, got the I handcuffs mean, on, get him in the damn car, get him to jail, get off yeah. his neck. I know that's what you would have done. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I teach all the rookies. And, you know, if you're a cop and you're listening, you can agree with this or not. But, you know, nowadays with the way things are done, once the cuffs go on, the fighting stops. Exactly. You know, if they if they spit at you, the spit mask comes on. If they kick at if they kick at you, you hobble them. But there's no need to take advantage of that situation. You know, you have a very small constitutional window of kicking someone's ass. 
a very small constitutional window. While you are fighting me, I can fight you back legally. I can do whatever it is that I need to do to gain control of the situation. And being the fact that if you're a law enforcement officer and you're losing a fight, the courts are not going to nail you to a cross if you pick up a said object and bludgeon someone with it to regain control to make sure that guy doesn't take your gun and shoot you with it. But that wasn't this case. Like I said, we can get into this case on the next segment, but what happened was very egregious, and it was negligence. And, you know, being a use of force instructor and being a senior federal law enforcement officer and all this great stuff, common sense is common sense, guys. I know. Pull your heads out, you know, pull your heads out of the sand. But see, the thing Turn about back and check too, on your buddy. Yeah, and, and I'm sure you have this concern, too. This man had 12 disciplinary dings, bad reports on his sheet as a cop. And yet he was allowed to still continue to go out on the street and do what he did. At what point is the police chief responsible? Well, I mean that you know the the disciplinary thing. I can't really speak of too much because I don't know how their union is, and I don't know how their bargain agreements are, or how their disciplinary actions are. I don't know how many times the guy rode the street or not. But from what we gathered, chokeholds. Holds on the neck, not chokeholds, but actually being able to uh, restrain someone from their neck is still part of their uh, defensive tactics. So, uh, all in all, Officer Chauvin was actually following policy, That's real which is a whole nother, whole nother can of worms when you find out the guy was actually in the scope of his authority for what he was doing, but it was, you can only do that to gain control. Once you've gained control, your ability to be excused from that is done. You can't sit on somebody, and what I believe is what it appears is dang near suffocate the man. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm 280 pounds. If I did that to somebody of any size, right there on your neck, there's all kinds of sensitive things. And, you know, when you, when you start taking Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, or any type of grappling, you know that the neck is a very, very sensitive area. And, you know, I'll disagree with you on this. There are points in time where chokeholds are, are, I think, should still be legal because it's all about gaining control of the situation. And it's not to sit there and hold someone down, uh, like with Eric Gardner where they dogpiled on top of him and they ended up basically suffocating him. Uh However, if someone is actively resisting and you cannot gain control of the subject, you have to continue to move in situations or positions until you gain control of that. And what it comes down to, honestly, is training. Shitty cops happen when they don't have training. When you start cutting the budget, when you don't allow officers to do training, you know, here's the thing about the fire department, guys. You know, the fire department is great because they'll give their guys 24, de- 24 hours on and sometimes two or three days off. And there's always training. And they, you know, they got the gym right there and they got a kitchen right there and they got the firehouse and they can hang out until they got to get called. Well, as cops, you got to go out and patrol. You got to go out and 
basically look for the bad guys. You can't just go out and look for the fires. The fires just happen, or you know, the accidents just happen. But crime has to be stopped by vigilance, a bit being proactive, but not reactive. So as cops, when you're working, you know, those five ten-hour days or five twelve-hour days, six twelve-hour days, and you go home and you still try to have a life. Basically, what you do is you go to work, you go home, you eat, you sleep, you wake up, and you do it again. There's very little time for training. And when that training does happen, most of the time it's by your own internal instructors who are just as burnt out as you are, just as tired of all the bull crap and uh, you know, restraints that happen at your own department, that the training starts getting knocked down to such a point where it actually becomes detrimental to an officer when he's on the street and he has to deal with someone with physical contact. If you're not good with your hands, if you're not good with fighting, you are going to be limited to what you can do by the tools you carry in your tool belt. You know, and let's talk about the tools in your tool belt. You have a pistol. Most guys have a baton. Most guys have OC spray, and most guys and gals, excuse me, uh, have a taser. Well, those tools only have certain limited things you can do with it. You know, by your policy, with OC, you and depends on if it's the alcohol base or water base. But with OC, it's a no-no if you. Spray somebody and then tase them because with our old OC, which was alcohol-based, there was a chance you could set someone on fire. Not that we didn't do that and record it at certain points of time and use it in the training academy, but you know that risk is there. You can taser somebody seven, eight, nine times in a row to the point that you can create cardiac arrest. You can create some sort of a actual uh, you know health issue that can kill somebody. You can't tase somebody while while they're running. You know that that's a big thing now. <laughs> you know when the tasers first came out, it was tase them, get them to the ground, and get them handcuffed. And now it's oh well, you can't tase them near the water. You can't tase them while they're in water. You can't tase them while they're driving. You can't tase them while they're running. Well, I mean, okay, so now what do I do? Throw my baton like a boomerang, or do I have to catch them? Because why do you see a lot of overweight cops? and not overweight firemen because cops have to work constantly. They don't have days off. We have very little days off. And even in our days off, a lot of guys are on call or that, you know, you have a life that you have to live. So the, the cops that are out there like me that are, you know, in good shape, we're working 15, 16 hour days now trying to remain in decent shape and work and travel and come home, you know, and, you know, basically, it gets down to I sleep four hours a night. To get all my chores done and work, I give myself about four hours of sleep. That's not very good. That's not very healthy. And it's really not sustainable. You know, the only time I can actually get sleep is on the weekends. So, you know, and this is, a, this is your average life of a cop. Unlike our brothers in the fire department, they get a lot of downtime. Not hating on the fire department. I think if they armed the fire department, cops would go out of business. But, you know, the the fire department, it, it can't be compared to the police because we are so proactive for what we do, the job becomes extremely difficult. Uh, so, you know, the training just goes down the tube with most departments. And that's from federal to state to local. You don't have time for the training. And when you don't have the good training, you get crappy cops at some point in time. You get burnt out cops at some point in time. Oh, by the way, most people hate you because you're a cop. 
they'll tell you they love you. They'll tell you thank you for your service. But the first time you pull them over, we're exactly we're not exactly friends. And that's just you know that comes with the territory. And most people love to hate cops just because they love to hate cops. They love to hate authority. And I I appreciate everyone who you know actually stands up for cops and sees what we do. Uh, but what you see going on right now with the whole anti-cop thing, especially with a lot of these damn politicians who are anti-cop or maybe a former president who's anti-cop, ask how many of them has done a ride-along. Ask how many of them has actually worked a murder scene, a rape scene, a missing child scene, a, a simple theft, you know, or a burglary or a home invasion. How about a, you know a, a real homicide still in action? And you have to go out and find somebody. Ask how many of these politicians have rode along with border patrol and actually chased down illegals that end up having to be MS-13 who are trying to ambush you. Oh, by the way, one border patrol man for 50 miles. They they won't. Ask how many of these politicians are picking up the shield and putting on the riot gear and breathing in the tear gas and standing in the line with the rest of the cops. None of them are. And neither are the lawyers that support all these damn people. You know, so the the agenda that we're getting back, now that I'm off my soapbox, the agenda that we're getting to is the what-if scenario. You know, what if you take away all law enforcement, Dave? Let's just give it, you know, it's not like we haven't thought of this before. Let's just say all law enforcement in America for 24 hours had the blue flu. We decided, you know what? Okay, America. Okay, Democrats. You can do better. I'll give you 24 hours. It would be absolute bedlam. It'd be mayhem. Because it'd be, people it'd be know, the purge. It'd be the movie The Purge. Yeah, yeah, because you know what? In one county, when you normally have three or four deputies working at night, it's still not the purge. Isn't that amazing? In one county? Imagine how big a county is. Your average county. And there's only three or four deputies working at night. People still aren't, you know, going out and just tearing the whole place up or looting or, or you know, the purge happening. You know why? Because they know there's cops out. Even though they may know there's only three or four of them. So even just a very small amount of us working is keeping the wolves at the door. You take us off the street, well, you might as well make dinner for the wolves. And you're probably going to be the dinner. And, you know, love cops or hate cops, take cops off the street, and someone starts busting in your door, I hope you have Nancy Pelosi's phone number. Call Maxine Waters. See what she can do for you. No one is coming to help you when you take cops off the street. Keep pushing law enforcement community, America, and you may get a very negative response that you don't want, but I don't believe in my heart of hearts that cops will do that because we, at the end of the day, love people. You know, when you, when you put on this uniform, you wear the badge, you put the gun on, and you have such a crappy paycheck like what most cops get. Like when I started off the sheriff's department, twelve ninety-five an hour. Yeah, I hit the big time, twelve ninety-five an hour. I knew at any point in time I could die. I knew at any point in time something could happen for that measly paycheck. You know, you, you have to really be selfless to have a job like this. And I suggest anybody, if you don't believe me, go do a ride along. Go see what a night's like. And, you know, 
you take us out of the equation, you are going to get Portland. Portland already, the police don't do anything any over there. I've been to Portland too many times. They literally can do whatever they want at some point in time if something has to give. Either law enforcement is going to give up or the politicians are going to just push law enforcement out of the way to the point that we can't do anything. And then eventually, that pendulum, Dave, is going to have to correct itself once you've swung as far to the left as possible on this pendulum. The only course of corrective action will be swinging the the pendulum to the far extreme right, and you're going to get the judge dread. When you have pure anarchy in the streets, and you people are worried about people shooting rubber bullets and tear gas and 303s and pepper balls and foam batons or you know marching up and down the street with shields and sticks, wait till you get the far extreme. And there are already countries right now with that far extreme. Go to China. Go to Japan. Go to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Go to Saudi Arabia. You know, be a woman caught walking down the street by yourself. See how far you last. Dare not to wear that entire beekeeper suit. See how far you can last. You know, America is such a, a, a science experiment that was going right now it's going wrong that once the judge dreads of the day happen and when everyone starts turning into mega city one you're going to wish we could find that that equal spot where we were prior but if you i mean austin is trying to completely defund the police la is new york is minneapolis is you know uh you know i i've heard dallas is uh, I don't think Fort Worth ever would. I don't think Houston ever would. I don't think El Paso can, to be honest with you. They'll be overrun by the cartel. But you have a lot of these you know, Democratic strongholds where this is, of course, all happening at. Name me a Republican city that is experiencing rioting and looting. Crickets. It, it's not happening. I know. I'm, I'm watching this. I'm getting all the intel. We're tied into the task force centers. We're tied into the fusion centers. We're tied into the FBI, into the marshals, into the ATF. You know, we're we're all passing this information back and forth. So we're seeing what's going on, and it's all democratic strongholds. Not saying that the people who live in the city are bad people. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying your leaders are putting your life in harm's way so that they could get to their dystopian utopia where I promise you, they do want the judge dread. They do. Because that's a source of power that they can enforce with absolute control. If you don't believe me, just go down the rabbit hole and just do some research on the whole judge dread thing. It's kind of creepy because the whole judge dread thing came up at about in the 2020s, 2030s. When the country's experiencing riots and civil disobedience left and right, and it almost seems like there's a race war going on, politicians are just going out of control, the military is being stampeded upon and defunded, and then they try to do the same thing to law enforcement, and then the judge program starts because crime has gotten so bad, the only thing that you can do is put the meanest, baddest guys on the street and say, go out and conquer Go out and stop the crime, and I don't care how you do it. And, of course, 
it's going to get out of control. Of course, laws are going to be overlooked where we could just put you in prison. Instead, we just execute you on the street, which is not happening now, but that's what happens in the world of the Judge Dredd because that's what's happening in other countries right now. So it's, it's be very here. careful. It's coming here, too. Hey, listen, Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election said uh, the deplorables should go spend time in a fun camp, and we all know what she meant. Yeah, who's is that? Is that Hillary going to put them in there? Is Uncle Joe going to put you in there? No, they want us to do it. Here's the thing about law enforcement, man. You loved me yesterday. You hated me today. Both days I got paid. Law enforcement has to say as constitutionally aware as possible. No one else out there on the street is looking out for your Bill of Rights and your constitutional rights, honestly, more than cops. Not saying all of them, not saying all of them are even you know, that aware of the Bill of Rights and Constitution, but your 98% are. But the Democrats want to be able to they see, they see that source of fear that law enforcement brings to the populace because the Democrats spin it that way. Oh, isn't that interesting? And they're going to use it. They want to, in my mind, they want a civil war so that they can capitalize. And then once they capitalize on the civil war, they'll say, okay, all of the laws are null and void. It's martial law from the West Coast to the East Coast. Cops, go out and do what you have to to re, uh, regain order in the cities across the states. Now, I think in their minds, they believe that if you turn the populace against cops enough with the assassinations like what happened a couple years ago, following us home, you know, <laughs> doxing us or putting liens against our cars or against our property in our home, you know, you have Antifa out there saying that we're going to rape your kids and your wife in front of you, and that whenever we get in power, we're going to hang all the cops from the light poles. Do you idiots understand that there's like a script that they wrote for you to read off of, and you are willfully reading off of it? And they know that if they can play against the heartstrings of the cops, that eventually you'll get some of us to start not thinking clearly and just start beating you. That's what they want. I believe all of this is is move checkmate, move checkmate, move checkmate. You know, they I think they're constantly trying to put us into that checkmate and we keep finding a way out of it and they go, gosh, dang, I thought we had him in checkmate. Dang, I really thought that, you know, this time people would attack the cops and it would make the cops attack them back. Or, you know, dang, I thought maybe this time if we really tried to take their guns that, you know, the, the civilian populace would really shoot at the cops because we're the ones making them do it. Or, you know, if we have COVID-19 happen and we make the cops completely enforce every single law, every single law, that will get the populace to hate the cops really bad. You see how this this. You see how this ball is getting passed back and forth where the cops keep trying to be like the boogeyman or the, the you know, the jackbooted thugs that we're always painted out to be when we're just, you know, trying to follow the law and adhere to the laws that are given. You know, if you have problems with the laws, blame the people who make the laws, not those who really have to enforce it. 
But if it's one of those stupid things and you're a cop and you willfully know, I shouldn't do this right now, I shouldn't enforce this stupid law, I'm going to look the other way and say, hey, man, you need to get in your car and you need to leave. That's officer's discretion. Now, I'll tell you this much, Dave. They're trying to completely destroy the right to officer's discretion in all 50 states. Did you know that? They're trying to make it to where officers don't have the discretion anymore. It's either follow the law or don't follow the law. And if you don't enforce the law, then now you're accountable for whatever that person does. So they're putting us in this pinch point where eventually, what if they do decide to say, okay, martial law in L.A., we're taking it back, boys. Put on your riot gear, grab your rifles and shotguns, we're going to go clean the streets. How many cops do you think will actually go out there and say, you know what, it's about time we get rid of the criminals and the gangs and the murderers and the child rapists and the riffraff that are burning our city down? Because I'm pissed off. I'm tired of working 72 hours straight every couple of days to try and regain order. If you keep spinning people in the right direction, you'll eventually get a mass of them that will go with that. And I'll take that all the way back. Dave, I'll let you take it from here, from the right stack fires. You spin a populace in the right direction, you're going to get the brown shirts and the Nazis. When before that, you, we never experienced this ever. We never experienced such a, a occultic army, a satanic-like occultic army like the Nazi army, like the Nazi military was. The Nazi war machine was all about brainwash. I mean, it turned brother against brother. And eventually, you had generals knocking off generals and majors trying to kill colonels for their position. People are, are plotting against Hitler constantly because either they say he's too dangerous, they want him out, or they, they think he's not dangerous enough, and they know how to spin that in that direction to make the Nazis even more effective. I feel we're, we're dealing with the same type of people with the Democrats and probably Republicans. And I think this is just one more part of this chess game that we've been playing in this country. And what's really upsetting to me is if I sat here and said all of this, I cannot be, Dave, the only one to see this. I can't be the only one to say this amongst my friends and my allies and my family. There has to be more people who see this, and I know because I've seen it on social media, and I've had conversations with people on the street who've spoken out to me and who has basically told me what I've been saying this whole time, that they see this as just a huge false flag building up to this huge crescendo-like event, like we've been saying, Dave, it's event-driven, right? Oh, no, I, so, I agree. I agree, but you know— it's also, you have to be a hell of a coincidence theorist not to see through what's going on. I mean, the lockdowns wrecked our economy. They hurt our military's ability to protect our country because peacetime industries can't be converted to wartime because they've been destroyed. So welcome to COVID-19 lockdowns. And then as the country begins to open up, what happens? Now we get curfews. Why? Because Antifa comes in and wants to raise hell and be opportunistic over the tragic death of a victim in custody. That I mean, how can people not see the interconnectedness? Well, you know, here's what's funny is that just like how the Black Lives Matter riots did not work in Ferguson, you know, it went worldwide. 
but it did not have that spark of revolution, that spark of a civil war. The same thing with uh, Freddie Gray in Baltimore. You know, man, they really spun it. They really, they really thought maybe this is the guy. Maybe Freddie Gray's the guy that we can get to where the blacks and whites start shooting at each other and people start trying to kill cops. And you know what did happen, but not to the extent that they wanted. It was not the Civil War 2.0. Something else is going to happen, Dave. Something else is going to give, and the media and the politicians are going to point their finger and they're going to start damning this. Say, oh, look over here. Look over here, conscious of America. We should pay attention to this event. But yet, whenever a black retired police captain is murdered, murdered, legitimate murder, not negligence, but intended, we don't have one protest. We don't have one cry of calm and peace. We don't have one person saying enough is enough. We've tried, we've prayed, we've blah, 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 blah. All these stage speeches, not one thing. And no one even cares that the man was black. You know, this is, this is what's so despicable. The fact of the matter is that if you look at it, this was never about race. This was never about one man. This was about a intended end result. Take this political football, and I want you to kick it as hard as you can. And hopefully it goes right through the uprights. If not, well, maybe we can recover the punt. You know, it's, they, they want this to go as far as possible, and they want the people of America to pick it up and make it into something that they feel is really organic and not orchestrated through George Soros' sons or George Soros' funds. Uh, which it is, uh, and I think many Democrats are you know, right along with them, but they, they want this to be like a movement in America so that it can continue and grow and then you know, splinter off, which it has. And now they're sending in all their agitators, which is Antifa, who's constantly trying to gather ranks in their, in, in amongst themselves and I love the fact that a lot of the Black Lives Matter rallies are actually going there to peacefully protest, which I believe 100% in the right to the First Amendment to protest. And I don't think anyone should ever stop your right to protest because you, <laughs> it's your right, man. I will, st- I will stand there and defend your right to protest. However, comma, you do not have the right to burn down a building, which I don't think most of these protesters did. I think it was the Antifa agitators who got in there I agree. who were paying people to do this. I oh, agree. that's right. We have video of Antifa paying people to go and loot and to go and rob. And I think I find it interesting how also they're approaching only members of the black community to go and do this. And it's white people doing this. So, you know, if we're going to cross this boundary of racial, you know, superseding one or the other well who's going to call out that it's all the white people from Antifa that are trying to destroy all the black towns and businesses within the black areas is anyone else going to anyone else see that anyone else going to call it out I will I don't care I've pointed that out before Um, it is it is tragic that it happens you know and, and let me tell you what happened here in Arizona 
we had riots that started with Antifa in downtown Phoenix. And a lot of the residents there um, tend to be African-American or Hispanic. And two nights this went on, and it wasn't good. It was bad. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Pardon <coughs> popcorn earlier watching a movie and you know, paying the price. But anyway, as I was saying, Antifa then took their fight out to Rich Scottsdale. Trashed a high uh, profile mall. Uh, trashed businesses um, in a rich area, primarily with white residents. The governor does nothing the first two nights. And then, and this he's a Republican governor acting like a Democrat. And then on the third night, when the fight is taken to the suburbs, and now richer white people are involved, now he declares a curfew. And whether he meant it, meant to appear to be a racist or not, that's about as racist of an action as you can take as a governor. You're saying, you're saying to your citizens in the inner city, primarily people of color, you don't matter enough for me to have a curfew and commit more resources. But as soon as the fight went to the white suburbs, I mean, I think you see where I'm going with this. And I don't think this is necessarily the fact he's racist. He's a Democrat. He may call himself a Republican, but he's a Democrat in lag. I mean, in drag. And he's also on the board of TGen, which is involved with Bill Gates and the vaccine. And he wanted people locked down. We were way behind opening up for quite a while till we just kicked his butt publicly. And so I think he is trying to incite racial violence in our state. And that's just one example of a high-profile politician working against the interests of the American people. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. And you know, let's let's save the rest of the uh, the riot stuff for the next segment because I want to get off on this quagmire of our previous conversation. Man, I wish we had another thirty minutes. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, we got we got uh, about four and a half minutes to be exact. Um, yeah, look, we're, so, we're gonna we're gonna so, do. We're gonna do a part two on successive days. Okay, so we'll maybe we'll we'll save the the sci-fi stuff for last. But yeah. just imagine this: this will lead into the next segment. Just think about this: all this craziness in this world is going on with the COVID nineteen. By the way, I love how people completely forgot about murder hornets. Are we not? Are we? Did we skip murder hornets? Are we not going to talk about that anymore? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not a thing now. <laughs> well, you know what yeah, else? But, you know yeah. what else we forgot though. The Democrats are saying social distance, social distance. We're inundated with it in the media. And social distance applies for the Democrats unless they're rioting, looting, or burning. Yeah, I literally saw on Fox News a a thousand different doctors or health workers, whatever it was, that came out and they said, hey, it's okay to go out and not have social distancing while you're protesting. Yeah. I guess it's safe. And and now and now we're seeing quote unquote spikes of coronavirus in California and Arizona and New Mexico and blah 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 blah. You know, it's this this fab this fabric of imagination for trying to just completely scare Americans. It's getting lame. It's getting really, really tired. And I think eventually we're gonna burn out that bulb and they're going to have to take it out and screw something in. I think that's going to be what's going to be really bad. Just imagine, you know, this keeps getting worse. There's still going to be a war that's going to happen. I'm I guarantee it. We're going to go into another war within the next four years. 
and it'll probably be over oil resources or some kind like that. It'll probably be with China. It may happen in South America as well. We're going to have more issues with Democrats and with Republicans and the voting fraud and the presidential election. All this crazy stuff is going to happen, right? What happens whenever we start seeing the weird phenomena in the sky again? Like how DOD, the Pentagon, started releasing all the UFO stuff. Oh, well, you know, I know COVID-19 and protests are happening, but hey, don't forget about UFOs. Make sure you show that on every well, mainstream media as possible. Project Bluebeam, and we're going to talk about that in our second segment together, but they're setting up for Project Bluebeam. There's no question about it. We'll have to break it down in terms of the organizational structure. Have you, have you, I wanted to ask this before we close in this segment. Have you um, asked yourself or have your colleagues in law enforcement speculated as to what's next? Are we looking at mass casualty events coming up? I mean, how bad is it going to get? Well, right now we're, we're monitoring a lot of the uh, – there's only so much I can say, but I know right now we're monitoring uh, members of extremist groups that are talking about targeting rural areas, uh, suburban areas, and pushing out to smaller towns where you'll have a limited amount of police resources and response. And, you know, those areas like throughout parts of Idaho and Montana and Wyoming are already experiencing this. And the militias are forming. The people are coming out full board with all their guns. And I think it's great. I, I mean, you know, hey, Antifa, you want to come here to, uh, you know, Cheyenne, Wyoming? We're waiting on you. I think that's amazing. I think that's just, that's awesome. I love to see Americans pulling together to try and fight this this evil group of people. Uh, but I think eventually we're going to see probably some sort of V-bit attack, which is a vehicle-borne IED attack, vehicle-borne, you know, improvised explosive device. We're already seeing caustic materials being used, uh, you know, improvised explosive devices, improvised incendiary devices being used. You know, eventually all these things that, uh, you know, ISIS is still out there, guys. Yeah. You know, the cartels are still out there. Maniacs are still out there. Psychopaths are still out there. So just because there's rioting and looting and protesting doesn't mean evil took a night off. And, you know, just because COVID-19 happened doesn't mean that terrorism is not a thing anymore. These things will manifest themselves in due time. And to me, and that's just me, you know, looking at this uh, objectively, it's always a political event. There's always a political motivation for any of these types of major attacks, unless it's done by, like, your serial killers. Uh, but I think the closer we get to the presidential elections, just the more dangerous it's going to get. And, and I note, think the point is to... On that note, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but we are totally up against a hard break right now. Um, stay by your phone. Um, I'm going to get back to you. We'll continue with the second segment with our guest, Wrecker federal law enforcement agent, and we're getting his perspective on the ground. Stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> 